This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. The Department of Health and Human Resources, which has now been split into three separate agencies, is the subject of ongoing litigation about how the agency cares for children in its care and how it handles emails and other evidence needed for trial. It is just another example of the dysfunction within this agency. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The state Senate passed a resolution Monday asking for a federal regulatory environment that encourages energy production. Eric Douglas has more. Senate President Craig Blair said that West Virginia is an all-of-the-above energy state, and his resolution calls on the state's congressional delegation to reform the federal permitting process. However, the federal government's permitting process is a system of unnecessarily complex, redundant, and uncertain, thereby discouraging investment and job creation in the energy sector. Blair noted that he is the chairman of the Council of State Government's Southern Office, as well as the Southern Legislative Conference. He said he expects the remaining 14 states in the Southern Group, which includes Texas and Florida, to present similar resolutions. Senate Concurrent Resolution 16 passed the Senate unanimously and heads to the House of Delegates. Resolutions are not binding, and the United States is currently producing record levels of oil and gas. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Eric Douglas in Charleston. Solar energy is forecast to erode coal's share of the electricity market in the next two years. Curtis Tate has more. Utility-scale solar generation is set to increase 75% in 2024 and 2025, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Coal's share of electricity will decrease 18%, according to the agency's outlook. Coal production could fall to levels not seen in more than six decades. In Appalachia, production could fall to 110 million tons in 2025. For perspective, West Virginia alone produced more than 100 million tons as recently as 2019. The Institute for Energy Economics and Financial Analysis called 2023 a pivotal year in the energy transition. Renewables, including wind, solar, and hydro, outpaced coal for 257 days last year. That includes an uninterrupted period of 121 days from February to June. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. For the legislature today, Randy Yowie spoke with House Speaker Roger Hanshaw, a Republican from Clay County, on issues important to him for this general legislative session. The discussion began with artificial intelligence and cybersecurity and ended with the help with helping rural hospitals and supplying child care to, fam- to working families. Here's an excerpt. You have developed in the House a special select committee, excuse me, on artificial intelligence. I talked to Delegate Maynard a bit, your co-chair this morning, but tell me the whole philosophy behind setting up this committee and, and what you hope to accomplish. Well, the goal is to get out in front of that issue, Randy. It, it's, it's going to be transformative. It, it's, it's one of these issues that seems to have come on the scene at a pace that, that most of the world wasn't predicting. It's, it's been one of those things that's been in development for decades now. We've all called automation 
automated hotlines for for a decade now, and and on the other end of the phone's been a robot or has been a computer. That was a that was a form of artificial intelligence in its evolutionary stages. Fast forward a year till till we reach till we reach Chat GPT and generative yeah. artificial intelligence now, and and we in the house want to get out in front of this topic. We want to be at the leading edge of it and ask questions like, how do we prepare the state of West Virginia's public education system to capitalize on artificial intelligence? How do we use artificial intelligence tools to provide services to West Virginians? Can we can we speed up the process of renewing someone's vehicle registration using AI tools? And the, the select committee we created last Wednesday is designed to do that. They're designed to be exploratory. Their charge is to just ask big questions, to ask open-ended questions, to bring experts here to the Capitol during the course of this 60-day session and perhaps thereafter, and just, just ask the big question, how do we capitalize on this growing and evolving area of technology? You know, John Chambers, who is a, a, a storied West Virginian, chair, chairman and CEO of Cisco, and really took that company from, from a sleepy little IT company to one of the most valuable companies in the world. John said in an interview recently that he believed the impact of artificial intelligence on the world would exceed and surpass the overall impact of the internet on the world. Now think about that for a minute. Wow. Think about how many ways the internet impacts our lives every single day. John, who is an expert in the field, by any measure, has predicted that the, the tools of AI will surpass even, even the impact of the internet. We need to be at the front of that. This is an eye-opening uh, thought because most people, when they hear about artificial intelligence, they have a negative connotation. But you just listed off five positives, and I, th I don't think that the regular general public has that concept. Well, that's that's one of the charges of the committee is to look for positive ways to implement this technology. We know it's going to be disruptive. It's already been disruptive. The question is, can we can we use that disruption in a way that's 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 productive? Uh, Pre President Smith at Marshall University is 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 often often heard to say, change will either happen through you or happen to you, <laughs> and we want it to happen through us. Makes good sense. That was House Speaker Roger Hanshaw speaking with Randy Yowie. Visit our website to hear the rest of that conversation and tune in nightly at 6 p.m. Monday through Friday for the legislature today. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Winter storm warnings and advisories remain in effect through late this morning. Light snow today with highs in the 20s. Mostly clear and cold tonight with temperatures in the single digits. Sunny and breezy tomorrow with highs in the teens and 20s. Support for WVPB is provided by Extreme Networks, providing customer-driven networks with a diverse range of solutions and local support in West Virginia. Online at ExtremeNetworks.com.
Recently, a class action lawsuit against the Department of Health and Human Resources for children's rights related to the foster care system has taken a turn as attorneys battle for sanctions against the agency. Emily Rice has more. Attorneys in a class action lawsuit against the DHHR and Governor Jim Justice over the state's treatment of those in foster care announced in October that they were filing for sanctions because the DHHR had failed to preserve about three years of requested emails. The DHHR said the Office of Technology was responsible for the statewide policy of deleting the emails of people who left the state's employment within 30 days. However, relevant emails had a litigation hold placed on them, according to court documents. A litigation hold prevents spoilation, destruction, alteration, or mutilation of evidence. In November, the defendants in the case filed an opposition to the plaintiff's motions for sanctions, apologizing to the court and the plaintiffs for the lost electronically stored information. In the midst of this lawsuit and the breaking up of the DHHR into three separate agencies, the state health department its top attorney retired at the beginning of 2024. The DHHR's general counsel, April Robertson, retired from the state of West Virginia, effective January 2, 2024. A spokesperson for the newly created West Virginia Department of Health said in an email. Marsha Robinson-Lowry is the lead plaintiff for the class and executive director of A Better Childhood. It is just another example of the dysfunction within this agency and when you think about the fact that it's responsible for the lives of dependent and vulnerable children um, it's pretty alarming. In an email response, Whitney Wetzel, a spokesperson for the Department of Human Services, previously part of the DHHR, said the litigation hold had been sent to the West Virginia Office of Technology, instructing them to preserve all emails relevant to the case, but that the hold was not placed on certain accounts, resulting in some emails not being preserved. Wetzel said Justice directed the Office of Technology to develop an updated form and process for legal hold requests. Wetzel also said that all emails of current employees, including all emails between current employees and former employees, have been preserved and said a majority of relevant emails involving dozens of employees are available to be produced to the plaintiffs. In an affidavit, Michael Folio, legal director of Disability Rights of West Virginia and previous attorney at the DHHR, testified that officials at the agency, namely April Robertson and previous secretary of the DHHR, Bill Crouch, knew about policies surrounding litigation holds. Well, I had conversations with each of April Robertson and Bill Crouch that arose as a result of an employee's emails not having been preserved who was going to be a witness in a pending civil action. And I raised the issue at that time about spoilation of evidence. And this um, it was wholly unrelated to the foster care lawsuit. Lowry said in a lawsuit like this, she has to show that not only were the children's constitutional rights violated, but that it was done with deliberate indifference to the child's rights. The way you usually do it is by getting emails um, from the key players and showing that there's a pattern of saying that they knew about it, they knew about the harm being inflicted on children, etc., uh, people, because people don't admit it. 
However, in this case, the emails and the evidence they contain have not been presented to the plaintiffs. Lowry said the loss of that information brought her to ask the judge for sanctions against the DHHR. There seems to be some sort of a pattern here with the state not keeping information that's necessary to prove your case. And um, the rule is that if they had done it willfully, then there are influences that can be made um, in the plaintiff's favor. Lowry called the case highly unusual and said defendants know that when they are being sued or even about to be sued, they have to maintain documentation. Whether they didn't do it because they were incompetent or inefficient or willful or just happened, we don't know. Um, but we do think it's a very serious issue. And, and I've never, it's never happened in another case that I've been involved in. Lowry said settlement discussions were had years ago at the beginning of the lawsuit in 2019, but that they were not fruitful conversations. So she decided to proceed to a trial. She said one of the best things about settlement is being able to discuss with defendants the best ways of fixing the system. We're still fighting about whether the system violates the Constitution, and we think it clearly is. It's got to be one of the very worst systems in the country. When asked whether the division of the original Department of Health and Human Resources into three separate departments would have an impact on the case, Lowry said only if the new secretaries presented concrete improvement plans. If they were to say that, we would be very, very happy to talk to them. But that's not happened. And that doesn't mean it won't happen. Folio said the splitting of the DHHR into three agencies is a bold and symbolic gesture. To me, this is not, the, the, the split is not just coming up with a new organizational chart. The split requires a cultural change. It requires a change of, of individuals in leadership who manage the day-to-day -day affairs. And admittedly, you know, there are three new secretaries, but the people under them, by and large, are still the same individuals who were there that resulted in the criticism by the legislature that resulted in the split of DHHR into the three agencies. The trial date has recently been moved from June to September because the defendants cannot produce the information the plaintiffs are seeking. The court has ordered them to give the plaintiffs more information by the end of January. They haven't given it to us yet. It's not due till the end of this month. But it is a real system in total disarray. And children, are, but the bottom line here is kids' lives are being damaged by how poorly this system runs. All parties will go before a magistrate judge who will hear arguments on sanctions on January 17th, 2024. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.